Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Dear Nelly, I could use some advice, dear Nelly. Yes, yeah, some help would be nice, dear Nelly. I'm eager to hear your point of view, dear Nelly. There's a lot to explore, dear Nelly. When you're 40 or more, dear Nelly. So I'm hoping we can talk it through. Hey everyone, how you doing? It's Nelly here dropping in with an extra special announcement. Well, it's a reminder, really. We are coming to Sydney. Oh my God, what a bloody lineup. Basically, the show will be me live and in conversation with author, broadcaster, TV personality, and Australian bloody legend, Yumi Steins. We've also got Benjamin Law. That's right, another author, a journalist, creator of Family Law, my favourite player on Survivor Australia, and host of one of my favourite shows, Stop Everything, on Radio National. Last but not least, we have journalist and award-winning comedian, Chris Bloody Ryan. Now, between us, we have, I think we're up to five divorces. There's nine kids. There's the full rainbow of sexualities. Yumi is single, not even close to wanting to mingle. Ben is loved up in a long-term relationship of about 20 years. And Chris came out of a decades-long marriage last year. And obviously, you know my story. Look, I reckon we're going to have a great conversation. I really hope if you're in or around Sydney, you'll come and you'll bring a gang of people. To be frank, honestly, it's a huge effort for me to leave the kids and come north. And it costs a bloody bomb, so we might not be back for a while. Besides, how good is that lineup? I'm just so confident that it's going to be a great show. Look, details are in the show notes, but it's Saturday the 7th of October. Doors open at 4pm for a 4.30pm show. We'll be all done by 6, 6.30. You can go out for dinner. Perfect. I know this audience, not stupid. Now, as I said, details in the show notes or go to nellythomas.com or comedystore.com.au to book tickets. Do not miss it. I'd really love to see you all there for a chat. And look, if you want a photo, maybe even a cuddle, I'll be there for that too. All right, catch ya. Welcome to Dear Nelly, Sex, Relationships and Dating from the Other Side of 40. And I'm thrilled to say we are back with Sloppy Seconds with Dr. Deborah Campbell. First of all, Deb, how are you coping with Sloppy Seconds? Varied responses. It's um, it's a term I've, I've heard before. <laughs> I, just, I love the way you can say these things and they're okay. <laughs> I don't know if I can. I'm not sure. You. <laughs> you know what? I think you. I'm sure you're in furious agreement. Language is really powerful, and yes. there's some things that can't be reclaimed. I yes. think that are just like too far, yes. and there's other things where I think 
for me, something like this is like taking that power back. Like it's such a shaming phrase and a misogynist phrase. Yes. You know, yeah. and it's like, no, fuck that. Let's take it. I'll take that back. Thank you very much. And use it in a fun and lighthearted way. Yeah, that's one of the things I really admire about you. That's, yeah, you do it well. I don't know if I do, but I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so how have you been, Deb, since your last episode? Very well. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm one of these weirdos who's dodged COVID. I'll touch wood. Super, touch super wood? Sweet. Me too. Have you? Yes, yeah. well, I mean, you never know if you've had it and didn't know. Right. I always wow. did that qualifier. It's highly possible. <laughs> but someone should bottle our blood. Yeah. This shit is completely <laughs> random. And the idea that, you know, there's a morality to COVID, you know, but let's take it. We'll take Ooh, it. I didn't know there was a morality to COVID. <laughs> oh, you know, when you hear that sort of, um, oh, well, I haven't had it yet. I mean, not, that's not the tone in which you said it, but, you know, I've heard people say like, oh, it must be because I, you know, drink my turmeric latte. No, I think <laughs> you're probably genetically blessed and lucky or you had it and didn't know. Yes. <laughs> yes, I, don't, I don't think there's any high ground on whether you do or don't contract uh, a virus in that yeah. way. <laughs> and how did you feel after your because you're not I mean you've definitely been in in and around showbiz but you're not showbiz so how no. did you feel after your episode came out which was very well received may I say oh thank you um yeah good I mean, I'm I'm not showbiz, um, but I can talk about the things I can talk about, um, you know, pretty well. So I'm confident in my arena. So yes, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. and I think it's, it's lovely for people who haven't listened. First of all, go back and listen. Um, but you, how do, would you introduce yourself professionally? Yeah, this these days I put author in in front of psychologist because yeah. it's what I really really love is writing these days yes. um, but I'm about I think it's about 30 years frighteningly so as a psychologist yeah um, isn't that a long time it is and I specialize in couple therapy although I certainly do do individual work with people who are suffering with things like depression or anxiety or panic or what do I do with my life, existential crises and all the things. But I did um, train at Relationships Australia quite specifically and I worked there for quite a long time and that was all about working with two people in the room at the same time. Mm. Yes, you've seen Mm. all the things. A lot of things. All the things. And I, I love couple work. A lot of therapists are a little afraid of it because you do have two people there instead of one. Mm. It's complex. Um, I was taught to see it as you've got two people and you've got the entity that is the relationship in the room as well. So you've actually got three entities. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, and you look for cycles. You don't look for blame, you look for cycles. And that's what I try to teach the people. And it's very liberating for the couples to understand we're looking for a cycle here that is not working for you too. And that's if there's an enemy, it's that. It's not each other. That's such a nice way to think about it because if you kind of disembody the relationship as the third thing, then you're not going, you did. You did. You know, like 
that's a I'm going to think about that because I think the way I think about it is oh well what you did triggered me mm-hmm. which is a hope less of a you're in the wrong it's more mm-hmm. like I've got a wound that you touched maybe deliberately maybe not maybe mm-hmm. unconsciously what it you know but I think the idea of actually putting the third entity in the room is actually even more helpful to kind of take that because you do I mean who among us haven't been to couples therapy and hoped that the therapist would go it's all it's all them oh yeah to do with you (laughs) yeah I could do that but I've got one question in mind you know because sometimes it's obvious that one person is doing more of a shitty thing than the other I mean that that can be Mm. very obvious or someone is uh understanding the situation better than the other that can be very clear but my one big question has to be to myself, to them, what is helpful here? Is yeah. it helpful to blame? Is it yeah. helpful to single one person out and say you're the more shit person in this? Yeah. Of course it's not. Probably not. And I'll say, you know, as admittedly someone who's been in that situation who has unconsciously or consciously hoped the therapist would go, it's not you, I would say as I've evolved, I would say to myself, well, either way, even if the other person is more in the wrong, which that's up for debate, but you're here. So you chose them for a reason. Yeah. So there's something in you that has chosen that. Yeah. You know? So even if you want to work on that plane, you're both in this, you've both got skin in the game. Absolutely. And a lot of it. And nobody has to be wrong. Yes. No one has to be bad and no one has yes. to be wrong. It's just not flowing like you'd yes. like. Now, you know, with uh, Sloppy Seconds, you get a free kick, which is terrifying from a therapist. My God, Dr. Deb, but I'll allow it. You go. What would you like to ask me? Well, when you said I could, I yes. started thinking ask you something. Mm. I started asking myself, what do I think of first with you and what do I admire? Some of the things I admire most about you. And mm. I have seen you socially and thought, goddess oh my lord I was I know I'm not blowing smoke it's true right she just goes in there she talks to the people does this woman have no social anxiety whatsoever (laughs) you know I can talk to the people I'm probably better one-on-one but I I tend to be more introverted I'm a writer there's probably a lot of listeners who uh, like me, feel nervous when they're going to a party or a big social oh. situation. Um, yeah. or, or a date. Or a date. Yes. Anywhere with strangers between one and whatever number. Yeah. And I have just seen that you seem, I don't know how it's like inside you, but yeah. from the outside, you look like it's your thing and you're amazing yeah. at it. And I want to ask you to give us tips. Yeah. <laughs> thoughts. What goes on inside you as a person who seems so good at it, at connecting with other people in social situations, you know, and and what can you tell those of us who might be a little bit more um, withdrawn, for want of a better word, or nervous? Yeah. Oh, it's interesting. I mean, that's a kind of, you know, crack your chest open, isn't it? Because, um, no, no, I think it's really good. I think. To me, it's a fundamental nature-nurture question. I mean, I used to be 100% nurture. I'd think, you know, like before I had kids, you mm-hmm. know, spoiler alert, 
I thought the environment was everything and I still think the environment is massive. But I now think that watching them and my own experience of myself and insight as I've gotten older, I think I came out of the whatever with a certain level of social confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we want to call it extroversion. Do you want to call I don't know what we want to call it, but I've never um, been nervous in a social situation that I can remember. When I say never, the caveat I'll put is if I'm around people where I feel judged, very different situation. Like if I'm trying to think, for example, I've done gigs for, um, say, surgeons, you know, or a group of barristers. Mm -hmm. And I think for me there's some class stuff in there where I feel very uncomfortable, not around a few wealthy people, but a whole room of wealthy people. Mm -hmm. I can still do it and I can still talk to them, but I feel like fish out of water. Mm, But they, they, pardon me, they want you. They've asked for you. They've employed you to do a gig. So that's got to tell you something, doesn't it? That is true, Deb, but I think there is an element, and I reckon any performer, or and you probably can relate to this as well, there is sometimes an element of laughing at, not with. Oh. You know, like I think in some cases they know that you're an outsider and they kind of like that. So you never quite know whether they're embracing or whether they're... Give you an example. When I did, like I did a couple of events for the Criminal Bar Association. Now, criminal barristers, rough as guts, much more my people, even if they're more educated, you know, like... <laughs> love <it. laughs> like, like, we are on the same page. Corporate law, very different situation, just such radically different backgrounds to me. Mm-hmm. I know how to talk to those people. I don't think they're bad. Yeah. But I will go into that with more reticence. How I don't know. Let me ask you. Do you think like how much do you think is nature nurture in terms of extroversion, social skills, that kind of stuff? Yeah, everything sits on a spectrum and we all come in somewhere on the spectrum of extroversion and the spectrum of anxiety and all these things. And they can shift over time, but we do come in with certain genetic yeah. Uh, composition, absolutely, as you said. And I'm pretty sure the research says that everything is kind of close to 50-50 at the beginning with nature right. nurture on all those different spectrum, yeah. the, uh, all the different major traits yeah. that, you know, some are a little less, some are a little more, but basically, you know, it's it's going to be halfy-halfy for most of us most of the time um, if there's not, you know, organic issues with the brain or you know that are mm. it, um, diverse mm. so the environment will sort of encourage or discourage something that's already there yeah generally um a, a really great environment can help if something's um lower for someone in on a trait and uh and, and can help nurture them into to a place where they're more comfortable or vice versa i wasn't very comfortable at home mm-hmm. the way that i would put it Mm -hmm. And I think that meant maybe my extroversion slash social skills or whatever it is Mm -hmm. was developed as a, as a kind of coping mechanism. Yeah. I loved being at school. Like when I hear people kind of go, Oh God, high school was so awful. I'm like, I bloody loved it. Couldn't get (laughs) it. But 
loved going to uni. Lo- even, you know, you've heard me say on the podcast before, I love dating, you know, like yeah. even, even when it goes to shit, I still am like there is something. I love people. Yeah. I'm really interested in hearing their stories. Yeah. Um, even if they're radically different to me, maybe even more so. Yeah. You know, wow, like how do you enter the world? I've never lost that, even in periods of depression, I've never lost that joy of Mm. connection. Yes, yes. And and the greatest, uh, the longest study of human uh, life and longevity and and, and happiness um, tells us that that connection to other people it doesn't have to be a couple relationship but that sense of connectedness is so important in overall life happiness satisfaction and even longevity yeah Mm. I think so and I reckon I mean on a more negative spin but I think I'll take it as a positive is if you don't feel that from family of origin like that is incredibly painful and difficult and maybe like in a way when I see friends of mine who or people in my orbit um, who don't work as hard on those connections, whether they're friendship connections or romantic or work or whatever, I think, you know, lucky them, but it, often it's because they have that inbuilt in a in a family unit. Uh-huh, yes. So they're uh-huh. like, well, mum's always there or my sister and I are really close or I've got 20 cousins or whatever it is. So it's like this, even unconsciously, this safety net, yeah. Um, and for me, I don't have that. Yeah. You know? right. So I think there's there's an imperative of I've got to have that connection. I've got to work harder. Find um, it. Look for it. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You walk into a room full of strangers, Nelly. What what happens in you and what do you do? Can you tell us sort of how you do that? Because I'm looking for that that source. Yeah. <laughs> you look at well, I mean, you know this better than anyone. We are who we are. You yeah. know, so I don't think you can, like, I can't, um, I can't make anyone feel comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there is, like, I do a lot of training with, you know, aspiring public speakers or um, comedians or whatever. Just as a little example, tits and teeth, right? Do not shrink yourself. Walk into a room with purpose. And, you know, the funny way of thinking about that is tits and teeth. Are you smiling? Is your face open? Is your chest open? Or are you trying to, please don't see me, please don't see me? Mm. The way you walk into a room, it's no different. You watch, next time you go and see a performance, watch someone walk out on stage, you are judging them immediately, whether Mm. you like it or not, you are. Mm. So if you walk into a room like a goddess, doesn't matter how you look, it really doesn't. If you walk in with purpose and ownership even Mm. if you don't feel it completely that is how you'll be received I'm really conscious though for me like I know and I've heard from listeners as well like even when I'm talking about dating or different kinds of things like I know not everyone has the um, extraversional personality that I have yeah that's okay you know for me genuinely I can walk into a room of strangers and I'm like excited yeah. Like, who's here? Let's talk. <laughs> like, yeah. I want to know who you are. I will normally zero in on the weirdo. Like, I love unusual <laughs> people. I say weirdo is a positive. I like, I yeah. love 
unusual people. Um, if there's someone who I think isn't being included, mm-hmm. I will definitely zero in on them and yeah, try and yeah. bring them in. Um, why I do that, I don't know, but I do. I don't know. I get excited, Deb. I just love, yeah. genuinely love people. I really do. Just hearing that is, I think, helpful to me and probably to others that you have this excitement of going into a room full of strangers yeah. because that offers a different way of seeing that room full of strangers as a really exciting opportunity and asking the question, who's there, instead yeah. of this this feeling of, oh, I'm so nervous, oh, everyone's going to yeah. look when I come in, I wonder who's there in a scared yeah. kind of way. You know, just hearing your alternative way of seeing that to perhaps what I would often yeah. feel it. Yeah, how I would often feel it, yeah. So would you, how would you feel when you walk into that room? It, Like you said earlier, it does depend on context. If I'm there in a professional context, I kind of, I know why I'm there and it's easier. Mm. It's personal. It can be, um, you know, the, or it's for my husband's business or something that I'm not feeling like I'm in charge, then it yeah. can be quite I can be quite nervous going there Mm. I can feel like what if I really can't think of anything interesting to talk about and Mm. I can get myself a little bit worked up which is really silly because I can always take a breath and something interesting to talk about will come if I just start asking other people questions about their lives and and being a therapist kind of helps with that because I I got some questions I can come up with but yeah. I, I certainly <laughs> I certainly can go in with trepidation yeah because I'm not high on, on that extroversion uh spectrum yeah. naturally mm. and I don't think like I genuinely don't think that's silly because I have um you know chronic anxieties in other areas oh. you know, and I don't think that those are silly either they are like for example um I feel you know those people who can travel and just like wander around a new city and go oh let's have a look around the idea of that makes me physically sick right like I need to know where I am I need to know where I'm going I need to like I need to have a sense of safety that I Mm -hmm. know where my accommodation is all that kind of stuff I used to be really apologetic about that because I'd think that that's really uptight and it's stupid. And uh, now I just go, you know what? That's my thing. Yeah. I take responsibility for it. I don't put it on everyone else around me, but it is something, I mean, I could explain why it kind of doesn't matter Mm. in a way. And it's the same. I think if you walk into a room and you feel anxious, okay, then let's mitigate some of the factors and think mm-hmm. about you probably have to work harder than I do. Yeah. So in yeah. terms of thinking maybe I have a few conversation topics up my sleeve. Yeah, and, and I do think about that. And I always think about what's the other person do in their life, personally, professionally, and try to uh, think about what they might like to talk about. And if they can get it rolling, then I'll be right after yeah. a while. You know, I might yeah. need to them to get it rolling for me if I can help them to do that so yeah I reckon a really simple like I'm thinking situation where you walk into a a room where you don't know anybody or you know very few people I reckon a really easy conversation starter is like what brought you here Mm. you know or let's say it's someone's birthday how do you know Deb yeah Yeah. like 
have something like that that you're ready because sometimes I'll literally go into what's your story but for a lot of people that's too much like you yeah. have to have a sense <laughs> yeah. this is more like a weirdo Deb because you go up to a weirdo and go hey what's your story they're straight in like we're off yeah. you know yes. and I love that <laughs> you can't do that in all contexts Right, actually, this feeds into my culture share. Normally, it's a book or a TV show or something. Yeah. But I thought I'd share with the listeners this week that I've just been on my first cruise. Amazing. <laughs> How was it? Well, the interesting question that I kept getting um, on social media was, would you go on a cruise solo? And it sort of ties into your question because... Yeah. You know, I imagine for an introvert, particularly the idea of being stuck on a ship for four days with people they don't know, it could be absolutely terrifying. Not for me. Yeah, I wouldn't be doing it myself. I reckon, Mm. well, there's a few things. One, I got really sick, as I've just told you. So Mm. that has definitely taken the shine off the holiday because I've been for like a week after. Um, and I think cruise ships are something of a petri dish, you know. Like. Yeah, and and as I said to you, like, how is this with all the sea, air, and beautiful waves? Why is why is it like this? I don't know. I guess it's because the you know you're eating from the same areas, the toilets are communal. Um, there's a lot of air inside that's trapped. You know, there's a whole range of yeah. reasons, um, but. Regardless, I think, you know, that idea of um, getting ill on a ship, thank goodness I didn't get ill on the ship. So, right. But I would say putting that aside, because that could happen on another holiday. You could mm-hmm. get, you know. I reckon I would go alone. And, in fact, mm-hmm. I had planned to go alone. In the end, I went with two friends. But I think it is the kind of environment, maybe because you are trapped <laughs> on the ship. Yes. It is the kind of environment where incidental socialisation just happens. Mm. You, know, you see people in the lift um, yeah. repeatedly or at the bar repeatedly or at the buffet or whatever. And I went with two friends and we met quite a few people who were travelling alone. Some of them I would say are introverts, some are more extroverted, and they seem to have an amazing time. Great. I, I would recommend it actually as a solo if you like think of the difference, like let's say you went, oh, I'm gonna go to, I don't know, in a camper van on my own. Mm. Right? If you're an introvert, that might really appeal to you and all that time alone would be lovely. But if you want company mm. and you want to be around other adults, I reckon it's a definitely could be a, a good holiday. Yeah, I mean, that's what tour groups and cruises are all about, is about being able to have your big life experiences with other people who want to share those experiences. And it works for a lot of people. They love it. They make lifelong connections. And it can be great if you're brave Uh, enough to take that step and go on your own. I would say go on a short one. Like ours (laughs) was four nights. I wouldn't have done any longer than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you think of it logistically, obviously your meals are all planned out. They're all communal. Yeah. So there's a good chance even that you might be able to go, oh, can I sit on your table? Yeah. And start talking to someone. The entertainment's there. So you probably, oh, we're going to go and see, like we went and saw Bob Down. Ah. Come and see Bob Down with us. Do you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. 
much more opportunity, I think, in that setting than a different kind of holiday for inclusion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And if you are brave enough to let people know, like one woman said to to me and my friend Jill and Trevor, I'm travelling by myself, can I come to some things with you? Yeah. Of course you can. Yeah, she picked the right person to approach you. (laughs) I mean, not everyone will say yes to that, but I, I, I admire the guts. Yeah, just lay that out there and kind of go. Actually, I I would like to be able to come to some things. Yeah, people, you know? it is brave. Can I hang with you? And yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, great. Yeah. So yeah, on balance, because I got sick, I'm in two minds about whether I'd do it again. Yeah. Um, because I've been bloody sick, like not just a little mm-hmm. bit, but um, we definitely had a great time. That's great. Yeah, that's I'm, great. I don't like being on the fence, Deb, but I'm definitely on the fence. I, I take it it's not your thing. I wouldn't go alone. Um, yeah. I would be. Uh, I would be nervous. Yeah, I would be nervous. But um, I, I absolutely think it was courageous. And go you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm nearly fifty. I'm trying to do new things. Absolutely. You know, like what is all the fuss about? I will say as well, it's a bloody cheap holiday once you factor okay. in, you know, meals and blah, 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 compared to hotel and all that sort of stuff. So I can see why people are so evangelical about it. Mm-hmm. I can also see why other people go absolutely not, never would. Yeah, the people who love the cruises love the cruises, don't oh, they? they mad for it. Yeah, and those who don't, don't. It, it is quite quite a, a divisive issue, the cruise. Yeah. For me, the biggest asset was, you know, if you go to a new place, well, this is me, if I go to a new place, I feel the pressure to sightsee. Yeah. You know, if I've got an agenda and it's less um, relaxing, whereas yeah. there's nothing to do. <laughs> like <laughs> Your only choice on the cruise, do I go to a show? Yeah. Like there's a comedian on, do I go and see it or don't I? That's your only choice. That is pretty cool to make you relax. That is very good. Yeah. All right. I'm going to move us on to Armchair Expert. I mm-hmm. found this meme on Instagram and it is Signs from Source is the um, source of it. Now, tell me how this hits you, Deb. Your light is going to irritate a lot of unhealed people. Mm. What do you think about that? Yeah, I remember having a conversation in therapy many years ago around something really similar to that about um, when you when you are shining with your talents or your competence or your skills or whatever it is that does piss some people off. Uh, not everyone is happy for you when you do well. Um, mm. I remember having that conversation because some. Um, you know, in the arts, it's, I was in the arts years ago. I mean, I'm, I still am as a writer, but I did do some acting when I was quite young, very long time ago. And, um, yeah, it was a real issue that some people, some friends in the industry would be happy for you if you had a success or you got cast and others would not be happy for you. <laughs> they would be upset that um, it wasn't them. Yeah. And uh, I remember having conversations like that back then This, I guess, is more about sort of psychological competence, your light or your spirit or your personality shining might piss other people off. I think that, uh, yeah, 
envy, jealousy is a is a fact of of life that happens. Um, starts with siblings often when kids are very little. You know, why haven't I got that? Why have you got that? Uh, it's real. Um, it's real. interesting in this. In the context of this podcast, and I see this a lot and it baffles me, honestly, when I see, you know, someone in a really, like, happy, loving relationship and other people having to shit on that, you know, or conversely when I see someone, say, in my situation or the situation of many callers who has the courage to end something that wasn't working and people Mm -hmm. shitting on that. You know, yeah. and I think this says a lot more about you. Yeah. And it does, like if you see a happy couple mm. and you feel the need to critique or tear it down or mm. what it that says a lot more about where you are than where they are. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It, it shows what's triggering you in that moment, what's causing yeah. you to have to express judgment, triggering something in you that's that's raw or painful or uh, unresolved or you're worrying on yourself. Absolutely, yeah. I think the lockdowns, Deb, when, I don't know why this has just occurred to me, but, you know, when obviously we're we're both in Melbourne, we went through a lot of more lockdowns Mm. than most. Mm. Um, And, you know, let's say you'd see friends in another state or overseas who'd be going to a show or going out for dinner. And I remember seeing on social media, you know, friends of mine kind of going, I don't want to see that. I don't need to see that. Like, I can't leave the house. Whereas my reaction was genuinely like, I love seeing that. Like, I want to, if my friend in London can go and see Wicked, I'm thrilled, you know, like I wish I could. But I don't want other people to suffer because I'm suffering. Absolutely. No, I'm 100% with you. Something about being a therapist has really cured me, I'd say almost completely of covetousness, to use a biblical term, (laughs) because people have come to me from every single walk of life, class, way of being, and I see the suffering is the same. Human suffering is human suffering. And sure, you can have privilege that makes it easier to manage your suffering. Yeah. But, you know, also on the flip side of that, doesn't matter how much privilege you've got, if you are really not okay inside, you can't even bloody enjoy it. Can you? Yes. yes. You know what I'm saying. Um, oh, I do. And, I, and suffering, I mean, this is really negative, but for me it's positive. Suffering comes to all of us. Like going back full circle to your original question, I'm like, without having, you know, the violins out, like, fuck me, I've suffered. Like I have not had the easiest life. No. All relative, but, you know, I've not had the easiest life. So when I do walk into a room and there's a group of people that are interesting and I'm like, take the joy. Like if there's a moment, bloody take it because you do not know when suffering will return. Oh, it's a wonderful thing to say. Take the joy in the moment. Be present. Yeah, put the bullshit aside and love what you can love in the moment because you do oh. not know. Yeah. See a happy couple. Honestly, I feel happy. I feel yeah. happy. I'm like yeah. there will be there will be suffering again for me, for them, for everybody. There will also be joy. So if I can see them 
smooching their faces off. Yeah. And, you know, being in limerence and being all loved up like, oh, why wouldn't you take it? Agree. Yeah. Makes me cry with happiness when I see it. And I also know, as you say, there can be anything down the track. On that note, are you ready for some listener calls, Deb? I'm ready. Yes, let's do it. Hey, Nelly. This is a very happy message. And I want to say thank you so much. I came out of a really long-term abusive marriage. That's not the happy bit. Um, And it was completely shattered with my confidence, my belief in myself, everything. But I have a really good psychologist and really good friends and family. And I've picked up the pieces, but I honestly thought I would never, ever, ever be interested in any man ever again. I've listened to your podcast. I listened to your podcast with Kate and you've given me the confidence and the tools to be able to safely approach dating I managed to meet a fella in real life and we've been on a couple of dates and it's so lovely and today I'm just drifting about with a smile on my face and it really, a lot of it, I need to give thanks and credit to you because without this podcast and your last podcast, I don't know that I would have had the confidence to actually do it. I've been repeating all of your messages over and over to myself that I don't need to impress him, I just need to be me. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, that's fine. Um, But I know the red flags. I know the green flags. And I'm going to keep seeing my psychologist because co-parenting with a narcissist is um, quite difficult. But this is a happy message. Oh, I love it. That's wonderful. You love that message. That was beautiful. And, yeah, so on track. Go, oh, what do you hear, Deb? Tell me. Oh, someone who who reached out and found places of hope, and mm-hmm. one of them was you, Nelly, and and your guests and your podcast. And you know, you got to reach out and find those sparks of hope when yeah. you feel shattered, and 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 look at the power of it. Just having that sense of, hey, maybe I can mm. just take another step, take it quietly, keep trying, go to my therapist one day at a time and maybe I'll feel better. And yeah, do. You do. Just hang in there through the hard stuff, keep moving, keep looking for those sparks of hope wherever you find them. Yeah. I think absolutely the way I think of that is the momentum. Mm -hmm. Right. So she's obviously she's come, she said she's come out of an abusive relationship. That is no fucking joke. That is really hard. You feel stuck in shit. Mm. You feel like you'll never trust again. You yeah. know, the fact that she said, I'll never be interested again. Yeah. It's all part of it. Like for a listener, if you're in that place now, don't judge yourself for being in that place. It's no. part of the process. Absolutely. But I promise you, you will not stay there. Yeah. It feels like it will never change. Yeah but it will actually change. Yeah. Feelings do lessen over time. They they don't not in a straight line. They're up and down. They come, they go. We don't have control of them, but we can keep moving through them, trusting, just trusting that little glimmer and looking for those little glimmers of light and hope to, to move towards and keep that momentum going. And things do change, even though at the time we we can't see the horizon beyond, you know, we can't 
we can't see that it's going to be better. You've just got to hang in there and believe that you can actually, uh, well, you will. You will. You will. You don't know when. No. I don't know. Like you say, it's not a straight line either. No. You know, that's one of the really shitty things about healing. Yeah. You think you're done and then something happens and you're unraveled and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, you yeah. know, but yeah. you, you're still ahead is the way Absolutely. I think. Absolutely. And you can think of it as a spiral staircase if that helps rather than a line of moving forward and that as you go up that spiral staircase to more awareness and a bit more hope and a bit more fresh air as you get away from the abusive situation, you're going to be looking down on that past from higher and higher and further and further and um and and moving away from it to to a better place um but the the nature of the going round sometimes you'll go th- through the hard feelings again as you're going up yes almost inevitably and if you know that mm. then when it does come you know like particularly in that situation like she has to co-parent mm. with someone who's harmed her yes absolutely going to be triggered again but yes. it's if you know it's coming, it's got less power, I think, than if yes. you by surprise. You know, yes. like there'll be a point, and I feel like I hear in her voice, there's a point at which she sees his shit. Yeah. Just, oh, you're doing that one again. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And there are, yeah. And there are very real tools for working with a, a co-parent, particularly if they tend to have narcissistic traits that your therapist can help you with very specifically of how to protect yourself as much as possible and yeah. not get drawn in yes. any more than is absolutely necessary to do the co-parenting. Mm. The other thing I hear from her, I mean, A, the professional therapy, I'm a huge advocate for. You are indeed a professional therapist. Mm. But I think when you know that you've been through any kind of trauma, whether it's childhood relationship, I don't care what it is, you could have been in a car accident, whatever it is. Yeah. They, this shit is real and you cannot do it on your own. You know, no. that's not a failure. That's a reality. Like I'm kind of at that point now where I go, I'll just do therapy forever. Yeah, yeah. You know? And, yes, I'm privileged enough to be able to pay for it. I make sacrifices in other areas to do that. But I think listening to her, if you've been in an abusive relationship, I don't know how you can do that on your own, that recovery. Like there needs to be some support from somewhere. I agree. I did years and years of therapy myself um, and um, I, I think it's pretty necessary for most most people, most mm-hmm. people, not everybody, but most people. Right. And certainly if there has been trauma, I 100% agree with you. I don't think doing it on your own is the best idea. It doesn't just go. I used to think it just went. You know what I mean? Time heals, all that kind of stuff. And then you're like, oh, I've just smelled a particular air freshener and I've been taken back to being 13 years old or whatever, yeah. it, you know, it's not yeah. still there. It's yeah. still there. It's just seeping out in other ways, you know. Right. It can morph through into other things. It's like water, the the pain or the the yeah. the, the echoes can come through in other ways. Yeah. yeah. And a good therapist will help you see that. On a lighter note, oh, my God, the courage, the joy, the exactly what we're talking about before. Sometimes you've got to act before the feeling. 
right? Yeah. So you might think I'm not, I'm not quite, I mean, if you're really not ready, don't date, but mm. you might think I'm, think I'm ready, but I'm a little bit nervous. Sometimes you just got to take that leap of faith. Yeah. Do not expect to meet your next husband or yeah. your long-term partner or whatever. Just take it for what it is. Yeah. Debate with another adult. Yeah. And listen to her. She's bloody on cloud nine. Yeah, yeah. I remember I thought of it years ago um, as running an experiment. I'll run an experiment and see what happens if I date. Yes. yes. That's a nice way to look at it. Yeah. And to take, if you're looking for glimmers, I and I, I can hear this in her voice, just the fact that there's a, there's a bloke sitting opposite her who thinks that she's hot, yeah. who thinks that she's interesting, who... Yeah there's possibility with it could go to shit it doesn't matter that is hope yes yeah right I love it and I would love her to call back in and tell us how she's going like that's huge amount of courage to jump back in the pool so much courage and and just the real happiness there and the confidence in her voice and to think what perhaps not so long ago she was going through and that she can be in this very different place now is, uh, I think, encouraging and and um, uh, hopeful for, for everybody that, yeah. that you Feeling can see that change can happen, yeah, even from very, very dark places, yeah. Particularly I think change inevitably happens, but particularly, and it sounds like she's doing this, if you're proactive about that change, mm-hmm. If you go, I know I'm in a dark place. I'm going to go to a trivia night on Wednesdays and sit with a group of girlfriends. Yeah, try something, give something a chance, even if it's really little. I say to people who are very depressed, you know, I'm going to celebrate if you wipe the bench. Yes. I'm happy. If you can make a sandwich, that is a huge win today. You know, let's just make a damn sandwich. Yeah. Get a little bit of basic nutrition. You, it it might sound silly to some people who haven't been through it, but if if you have been really depressed, these are big wins in oh. a day, and add it up. You get a few of those going, and you yeah. can be on a roll. To something great. Moment. <laughs> I mean right. it. So yeah. You might what? One day you might make your bed. Yeah. Another day you might have a shower. Yeah. Another day you might cook a meal. Yeah. Over time, and it'll be a different period of time for everybody, in this context, she's come out of an abusive relationship, you're going to need some time. Yes. You know, so take that time. But like you say, take the win. Take yeah. the win. If you've managed to make a bloody carbonara. Yeah. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah. That's a big <laughs> win. Vegemite sandwich. If you've made a <laughs> sandwich, let alone if you've gone, okay, I've been hurt, I've been burned, I don't trust myself, I'm finding it hard to trust men, I'm going to have, go on a date anyway. I'm yeah. going to look for green flags, I'm going to look for red flags, I'm going to do it safely, Yeah, but I'm going to give this another go, like bravo. Yes, yes. Now I'm going to take you to a listener letter. It's a little bit long, but I'm just going to read it out to you, Deb. So Uh, I don't know if you listened to this particular episode, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Hi, Nelly. I've been thinking about something you said, your daughter said about you not being able to find someone who matches your EQ. So for context, we were talking about 16. 
and we were talking about dating and I'm like something something EQ and she's like to be honest I don't think anyone could match your EQ <laughs> which for Beautiful those comments. is emotional intelligence oh I'd take I mean she's my baby and she mm-hmm. loves her mama um, but yeah, what a compliment. Yeah. So the letter writer says, I wanted to hear your thoughts on whether people who have higher EQ find it harder to find a long-term partner. I've been single for about seven years now. My longest romantic relationship was about 11 months. I ended things partly because half of his life was being kept separate from me and just being told about important things after the fact didn't feel right. There was much more to it, many red flags, but one of the common themes is that I find I give out a lot of emotional support and empathy in romantic relationships and friendships, and I don't always feel like I'm getting it back. I've grown up in a family where I'm made to feel like I'm um, in the wrong, where I try to talk things through and I won't let things go, et cetera, et cetera. I'm editing a little bit. Since hearing that comment from your daughter, I haven't been able to get it out of my head and have been thinking about it frequently. I think that mostly that level of connection just hasn't been there because I find myself giving emotional support by listening and validating others, asking questions, et cetera. But in return, I get very surface level, oh, that's hard, or toxic positivity, and it leaves me feeling very lonely. I'd be keen to hear what you think and what your experience has been in both relationships and friendships as someone who has a high EQ. Thank you, Nikki. Mm. Deb, what do you think about that? Great question. Really great observations and a great question. I think that I know that EQ, emotional quotient or emotional intelligence, it has many different um, factors inside it. It, It's made up of a lot of different things, like can a person listen well? You know, how much do they know about their own inner emotional life? Um, You know, so many different layers. Do they have empathy? All all these different qualities sit inside um, emotional um, intelligence. Sorry, what was that? Attunement. Attunement. Yeah. Yeah. Can they hear the subtext in conversations? You know, um, have they made sense of their own past and, and learned lessons from where they came from and how they want to be and what their values are, you know, in a relationship? Do they understand how to uh, how to give love in terms of uh, caring for another person or are they are they not? um are they not very good with openness? Like she suggested a partner there had a whole life of their own and wasn't very open, which just sounds like something that she values. So within emotional intelligence, there's a whole bunch of things. And some of choosing a partner or, or, or having a partner that works for you is knowing which ones you really want and value the most, I think, because one's great at everything we've all got our strengths and and vulnerabilities or um or challenges what do you need the most maybe you need openness maybe you need to be heard maybe you need someone who can have the deeper conversations about the inner life that they're experiencing and you're experiencing it seems like she's hungry for those things so they're things to look for uh in a partner but you don't have to have someone who's the same as you, I don't believe, or good at everything. You have to have someone who's offering in the relationship quid pro quo, you know, they're offering the things you want the most, the things that mean the most. Yes. And you're offering the ones that that really work for them. 
yeah, none of us have got everything, I don't think. And sometimes we've got stuff that our partner doesn't really want. I mean, I, I'm in a, yeah. I mean, I'm in a relationship with someone who I adore, who adores me, and we've got the things that are really important for each other, but we are from different planets, seriously. Like I'm from therapist planet and he's from uh, geologist uh, sport planet, you know. Um, There's a lot about each other that's worlds apart that we just don't get and we just don't care it's fine you do your things with those people who do those sport things and I'll do my psychology things with my and my writing things with the people who want to do that with me um or or we do it on our own and but we have the things I value most in terms of respect and kindness and devotion um and Deep, deep friendship, best friendship, you know. You have you can have a lot of best friends or a lot of well, friends or, or probably only a few close friends, to be honest, for me. Uh, count them on one hand, those close ones. But um, you want your partner to be one of them, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, agreed. But and that I doesn't mean right. you have to be the same as people. You can be right. super duper different mm. and you can have super duper different levels of emotional intelligence, I reckon. So long as those particular traits are hitting where you value most. Does that make sense? I hope that made sense. It actually does make sense. I mean, I know what she's saying. The way that I think about it, it's like, you know, if you're sitting with if you're sitting with someone um, who has trouble reading yeah. and you're trying to teach them to read, yeah. there's an intellectual level at which you understand they can't read and yeah. then there's another level at which you go, just read. You know, yeah. like if you know how to read, it's yeah. a very difficult skill um, to teach someone else. And I think emotional intelligence is the same thing. What uh-huh. I got from this letter is that I've certainly been in relationships, friendships, family situations, like a whole range of situations where I think, how do you not know mm-hmm. that you just mm-hmm. hurt me? You know, or how do you not know that you've upset that person? Or how do you not know that you should um, try harder in this area? Yes. And I think as I've gotten older, I've gone, actually, a lot of people don't know. Absolutely. And like I can bash my head against the wall thinking, be, trying to teach them to read, mm. <laughs> or I can just go, you know what, that's actually how they are and they may never develop that capacity they may never want to mm-hmm. and you kind of take them or leave them as harsh Absolutely. as that I agree I mean there's a certain amount can be done in couple therapy where a good therapist will be modeling and teaching some elements of emotional intelligence like listening uh, understanding uh, what's going on in a conversation where if you're being defensive that's not actually helpful yeah. You know, things like things like this, um, looking at, at you know, the I don't think that was what was actually said. If we go back, those were not the words. Let's listen yeah. again. I think you heard yeah. something other than what was said. You know, things like this yes. we teach. Yes. Um, but like you say, Nelly, there is only a certain amount that some people want to learn or are able to take on. Some people are not into it and they don't want to. Um 
And then it's 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 you making the choice, like you said, take it or leave it. It's worth asking, as I said before, you know, what can you get? What are you happy to get from other relationships in your life? And what do you need from a partner? A partner can't give you everything. No. What do you need the partner to give? And what and they're not mind readers. No. The other thing I would say, like I think if you're very attuned and you're used to being able to pick up subtext and some of that can be hypervigilance, you know, it's not necessarily mm. emotional intelligence. It might be from a negative source. Yeah. Um, mm. To expect everyone else to be able to do that is fraught. Mm. I think because mm. I hate when, like, she's, I think she's asking me directly, like, what to do. So I'm going to tell her what I do. I think she is too. Right? Yeah. And this is not for everyone, but I think for me, if the other person, whether it's dating, friendship, whatever context, if they know their deficits Mm. and I think I know mine, I think I've done enough work and they're bloody real, Mm. if they know their deficits and they're prepared to work with it, I'm okay with it. Like they don't have to be the same as me. They don't have to approach the world the same as me. Give you an example. If I, if you and I were dating, yeah, Deb, when you use that tone, um, I feel like you're talking down to me. Yeah. If you went, oh, don't be silly, right? Mm. I'm out. Mm. If you went, oh, tell me more about that. I don't understand. That wasn't my intention. Yeah. Then I go, okay, I can work with that. Yeah, I, I would totally be like, my love, I am so sorry. What? How did that not work? Because that was not my intention. Yes. And to me, that means you didn't have to be able to read that. You didn't have to be able to anticipate it. You didn't have to have quote unquote EQ to understand that you were going into a sore spot, but Mm. you have to be able to take it on. Mm. And so do I. Mm. So to our letter writer, I'd say if someone's willing to sit and go, oh, shit, did I? Yeah. Or did that hurt you? I didn't know. Okay, like I'm open. Yeah. That's all we can ask. We can't ask them to just know. You've really hit the nail. It was, yeah, it was what was I was trying to say and I didn't get there. Is the other person willing to learn from you? Yes. And, yeah, and, and take on something from you and vice versa. Mm-hmm. If I defensively then go, well, Deb, you should have bloody known. You should know the way you spoke to me. Well, then we're in a spiral, and what's the point? Hmm. That was a wall. Yeah, it's a wall, you know, and that's a protective thing. Hmm. I think if you're very sensitive, which it sounds like, our, and you've got a history of your family telling you you're too much, which is what I hear from this letter, you've got your own shit too. You've got your own triggers, and you need to own that and know that that's actually well before this person. You know, mm, that's your dad talking or your sister talking or your auntie or whoever. This is not the person in front of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wince on that. I wince on that you're too much thing. Because oh, no. That's so common, you know. Um, yeah, I certainly had that in my upbringing too. You think too much. You, th- yeah. you think too deep. Why do you think like this? It's, yeah, yeah. You know, made me a damn good therapist. Yes. <laughs> Why do you keep asking things? Why, you know what, the outside of that, that is Nellie, you're very curious. Yeah, and smart people ask yeah. questions, don't they? Yeah. Take yeah. it or leave it. Yeah, take it or leave it.
All right, let's end with big mistake. So you are in a better position than most to um, (laughs) comment on this one. So I'm really interested with our return guests. It could be a mistake that you've made, but it could be one that you see in dating Mm. relationships. What do you think is the biggest mistake that you see in terms of how people relate to each other in this context? Yeah, I, I could pick a whole bunch and one of them was defensiveness in in the way we talk to each other you know I think that that's the biggest thing I'm trying to interrupt in therapy in with couples is defensiveness and blaming you know it's Can your you give me an example like what's a what's an example of that sort of defensiveness um when when someone has um talked about something that hurts them or bothers them the other partner saying will you do that Yes. You yeah. do it too. Or are you serious? Yeah. Why it's, are you even upset about that? Yeah. Well, that's yeah. nothing. Everybody does that. Yes. Or why do you always keep coming back to that? Yes. And all of those responses are walls, shutdowns, feeding a cycle of distancing, mm. feeding a cycle of rejection of one another on the, the sensitive, emotional, you know, level uh where you feel less like talking to that person and you feel less empathy for that person and over time if it keeps on going you probably won't like that person very much yeah Yeah. whereas if you can like we we modeled before you know if you can say instead can you tell me more about that what what are you feeling what caused you to feel that way well things start like if we go back here let's say you and i are dating and you say, Nelly, the way that you spoke to me really upset me. In that moment, I can then go, I'm not that sort of person. What are you talking about? Like, I'm not mean. I'm not like I can spiral mm. to what you're accusing me of being mm. a kind of person. And then I've got to defend. Yeah. Or I can go, I don't understand. Mm. Like, exactly. What do you mean? What, what yeah. do you mean? What happened without even saying I did something wrong? Exactly. I don't understand. That wasn't my intention, so I need to know more. One is a turning into each other, a turning to each other in listening and wanting to understand what the other person's experience is, and one is a turning away, a shutting down and a saying, I'm fine, you've got a problem, and that's that takes you down a very dark relationship path. That, that takes you into kind of not liking each other. And quite frankly, going back to our caller, someone who repeatedly says, I'm fine, you've got the problem, I'm immediately going to, is this an abusive dynamic? Mm. Do they have narcissistic tendencies? Mm. Are they able to sit at all with my feelings? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's at the extreme end. But if yeah. you're getting that every single time on every, it's always someone else. Yeah. Never yeah. there. They've never had anything to do with it. It's always the kids. It's always you. It's always their friends or whatever. Like this is this is not good. I don't know if you can work with that. No, I mean, are you feeling loved around that kind of dynamic? You know, yeah. that yeah. that that's the question. You know, is where's the where's the love and connection in that kind of uh, communication? Are you walking on eggshells? Yeah. Yeah. So the biggest mistake you think in terms of conflict, and I'm going to really take this on board, 
Because if I'm perfectly honest, I definitely have that defence mechanism. If I feel like I'm being called a bad person, mm-hmm. I really struggle with that. So we I, all do. Mm-hmm. We all do, but I think it's about, you know, you've got to have enough maturity to stop and go, that's not what they're saying. Mm-hmm. They're saying something you did hurt them. Yeah. Yeah, or if they are saying it, then they're not saying a very useful thing yes. for your relationship. And and it's all about taking a breath in that moment where you want to go back and say, well, you do that. Or, oh, yes, the ledger. Yeah. You take take a breath, just one tiny little pause and ask the question, not even is that true or not, is my response, what I'm about to say or do, going to be helpful for this relationship or injurious potentially? And if it's injurious, then maybe don't say or do that thing. Oh. Take a breath and say how you're feeling yeah that's right you know we like eye language in therapy we call it eye language where you say i feel this instead of you're a dick yeah (laughs) no you want to say that you ring your friend and say that yes you You ring your friend and go deb's a fucking asshole like (laughs) yeah she's real difficult today she bloody said and you know what that's what your friends are for but if you really want to actually make it work and excavate and go deep it just something just reminded me, you know, Pema Chodra and the the mm. um, Buddhist nun who I listened to some of her stuff, mm. uh, one of her books, and she said, this has always stayed with me, she said, don't lie in waiting, right? <laughs> and it means basically don't sit in the bushes, wait, like don't store away. Well, Deb, on the 12th of February 2009, you said this, like don't <laughs> store the oh, no. and get ready in a fight to like pounce mm, very and good advice that's mm. a really extreme form of defensiveness as well yeah like, it's preemptive premeditated yeah. defensiveness it's not even reactive it's premeditated if you're lying in wait it's it's really um very potentially uh divisive and turning away from the partner and and doing things that are that are going to create distance rather than closeness yeah. mm. do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Yeah. You know, so if you want to be right, keep a ledger of all yeah. the shit that they've ever done that annoyed you. And yeah. then when you get in trouble, you can say, but you do this too. And da da da. And you know what? You'll both be miserable. Yeah. What have you achieved? By what being right in that way, what have you achieved? Do you yeah. feel more loved? Does your partner feel more loved? Does yeah. your home or your shared space feel more beautiful? Probably not. Oh, that's a good note to end on because I like the simplicity of that. These things are so complicated, but there's it's really simple in another respect. Will both of us feel more loved if I say that thing? Yeah. One of the people at Relationships Australia who was a beautiful woman who trained trained me, she asked the question, if for couples, if your home, your sofa doesn't feel like a beautiful place for you to both tumble onto at the end of the day, why not? Yes. What might we need to change? Oh, God. I love that. I've quoted this before. This is the other extreme, but a guy, Danny Blay, who I used to work with, he used to be the CEO of Note of Violence, so he worked with male perpetrators of family violence. And he used to say, you know, often people, these guys would come in and they'd go, well, I didn't hit her much, you know, or I've stopped or I didn't do it that hard or all these. And he's like, no, 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 this is not the question. The question is, is anyone in the house scared of you? Mm. That's the question. 
Very simple. Like we get into the details of how much and who, when was this the police called and da-da-da. If people in that house are scared of you, something needs to change. Yeah. When it comes to violence and abuse, it's real simple. Real simple. And same with what you're saying, what the Relationships Australia, I mean, that's a much more positive thing, but it's Mm. like if this doesn't feel like home, Mm. This doesn't feel, if we don't want to sink into the couch together, fuck, something's wrong. Yeah. Something's yeah. Wrong. Like, let's listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. If it's not safe and relaxing, yeah. why is that? Yeah. What do we need to change? Oh, what mm. is going on? Oh, Deb, you're a delight. We could talk all day. Can we plug your book before we go, please? Oh, I wrote Lovelands, my memoir. Yeah. And um, it's got, a lot about love and relationships in there, some cautionary tales, things I did wrong, things I've yeah. learned from my patients. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. And I, it's beautifully written. Oh, oh, it is. It's so, when I say it's an easy read, I don't mean that in the negative. I mean that it's a, it's really accessible because I think a lot of, quite frankly, a lot of therapists who write, write in a way that's not accessible at all. But yeah. I think because you've done it as a sort of part memoir, part professional, part cautionary mm. tale, like there's, it's got, it's sort of unclassifiable in a way. Like it's got everything. Yeah. To me, yeah. it made it a lot, um, a lot more relatable. Oh, good. Yeah, it's very personal. Yeah. But also, I tried to say I wanted my life to be useful and my mistakes to be useful because I was in a dark, dark time that I describe in the book. And I thought, I have got to make this bloody useful. Yes. I don't want to yeah. I don't want to have gone through this and made these mistakes I and not really it. own it, learn from it, and hopefully even let let other people see it so they might be able to get something out of it too. Oh, one hundred percent. And I think it's and you can feel that and you can feel yes, you go on that journey of darkness, but you also have the like the rebuild. Mm. You know, mm. and the hope like it's not yeah. hopeless by any stretch no. and for anyone it doesn't matter if it's like divorce or like there's a whole range it could be friendship ending could be there's a whole range of situations in which you feel like this I'll never feel better you do yeah you do you do and and a strength comes uh even if it's very hard one you know strengths come that are sometimes from the places where you feel the weakest and and uh, you keep moving, you reach for good people. When I say good, I mean people who you connect with yeah. um, and uh, who have a glimmer of light for you and have something to offer you and um, and you, you keep moving. Mm. Take your wins. If you didn't eat yesterday and you ate today, we're celebrating. I am 100% celebrating every little win. They all yeah. count. Love. And like our beautiful caller today, it, particularly those of you who've been reticent and thought, I'm out, I never want to date again, this is all too hard, please call me, please call in and let us know if you changed your mind and how it went. It doesn't have to be all Pollyanna. It might have gone to shit. That's also mm-hmm. okay. That's part mm-hmm. of it. But it's really lovely to hear people kind of getting gaining momentum, whatever that means for them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Deb. Will you come back for Thirsty Thirds? 
I would love to. I love talking <laughs> with you, Nellie. It's been I wonderful. I love talking with you too. You're such a delight and so open and I just, you know, I think we all get a lot out of that. That's actually how you connect. It's vulnerable to be open. Like it's actually easier, I think, to kind of have the walls up. But in the long run, it's lonely. Yeah, yeah. And it feels so good if you take the risk and let go with uh, people you can connect with. It feels so good. Mm. Great. All right, you take care. Love you, Deb. Love you too, Nelly. Bye for now. Dear Nelly, I could use some advice, dear Nelly. Yeah, some help would be nice, dear Nelly. I'm eager to hear your point of view, dear Nelly. There's a lot to explore, dear Nelly. When you're 40 or more, dear Nelly. So I'm hoping we can talk it through. Guest, dear Nelly, won't you tell me what you think I should do?